Hello, it is Sunday, May 16th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is the UFC 262 uh, reaction wrap-up and jump right in. Just be aware, I took a bunch of notes, and then I accidentally deleted them. So I'm going to be winging it from memory here, and uh, I'll do my best because I don't want to rewrite the notes. And I, I think I remember most of them, but we'll see how it goes. First fight of the night, Christos Yagos against Sean Seriano. Talk about Seriano first. He looked uh, much better in this, his second stint with the UFC. He, was, he looked much more mature, much more patient. His striking was on point. He looked like he was going to beat Yagos and be on his way to a, a pretty significant win for him in his career. But after having a fairly dominant first round, Yagos turned things around in the second and he showed some very slick and aware grappling when he got uh, uh, Sariano locked up in a, uh, uh, a bravo choke and you know choked him out. So it was a big uh, come from behind win for Yagos, and in a night full of pretty significant wins and pretty impressive wins, he scored a bonus. So. Rare to score a bonus in the first fight of the night. Uh, even more rare when it's on a pay-per-view card and there's a bunch of other finishes and fights that could have win one performance of the night. But uh, very, very good work from Christos, Christian, Christos Yagos. And for Soriano, I think he was impressive enough in the first round that he should get another shot in the UFC. Um, he got caught. But up until that point, he looked like a much improved fighter, much better than his first stint. So I think we'll see him again. I might be wrong, but I would definitely give him another chance. And Yagos definitely moves up the uh, the rankings with that. Second fight, Tucker Lutz and Kevin Aguilar. Good fight for Lutz, um, making his UFC debut after two appearances on the Dana White Contender Series. He was known coming into this fight as a wrestler, but... His striking was very accurate, very on point. He used his striking to get Aguilar thinking that he wasn't going to wrestle, and then he switched it up and started to wrestle. So he showed a good balance and good awareness, uh, especially for someone making their UFC debut. What was a little alarming when it came to Lutz was that he seemed a little too willing to engage with Aguilar in the third round when Aguilar started to go for it and fight for a finish. Lutz seemed that, you know, a little too a little too eager to throw down and get involved with some strikes that he didn't need to get involved with. He should have fought a little more defensively, I think, in the third. And he got tagged and I don't think he get I don't know if it got come to got close to a finish, but it got a little bit uncomfortable there for Lutz. So that was probably just being young, uh, getting a feel for the fight. But was a, it still was a little alarming. But other than that, other than that third round section where he was a little too you know, eager to throw down and fight his opponent's fight, Lutz had a good UFC debut. Uh, Priscilla Cachoeira and Gina Mazzani. Cachoeira was almost out of the fight, out of the UFC. Um, a little while ago, she started her career on a UFC career 0-3, and she beat Mazzani 
and now she's on a two-fight winning streak. So things can turn around fairly quickly for someone. And she was an underdog, I think, in both those fights. Uh, Mazzani was clearly better in the wrestling department in this fight, but after two rounds of more or less holding uh, Cachoeira down and not advancing her her position, she got called to uh, a stand-up later in the second round, and when that stand-up got called by the by the ref, um, Mazzani had run out of gas, it seemed, and that gave Cachoeira a, a new life, and she picked her apart on the feet and scored that TKO with nine seconds left in the second round, but so she was. She didn't quit, and that stand-up made the big difference, I think. Um, and was it unwarranted? Probably not, because Mazzani wasn't really advancing position, wasn't working to advance position, wasn't doing a lot of damage on the ground. So, um, And she just ran out of gas, and that gave Cachoeira her second win. So good for her. Uh, Andrea Lee and Antonio Shevchenko, good win for Andrea Lee. My worry about this fight was though her, she just didn't seem either focused on getting the submission in any particular way in the second round. She locked up the triangle fairly early, but she didn't really go for any of the options she had to force the submission. She didn't pull down on the head. She didn't hook a leg. She more or less, I think, was, if unless I'm wrong, was just more concentrating on holding that triangle than really pursuing one finish or looking for a particular way to finish. So that was a little alarming because if she wouldn't have gotten the, the stoppage late in the second with that armbar, which was very nice when she did lock it up, I don't know how she would have looked in the third uh, because she might have gassed her legs out with, with how long she held that triangle choke. However, that point is moot because she did get the uh, submission. Um, so it was just a little weird to see her not go to hook that leg or pull down the head and, and, and choke uh, Shevchenko. But whatever the case, this, the arm bar worked at the end of the second and Andre Lee got the win. So good for her. Just a little, little weird, a little weird. Uh, Jordan Wright and Jamie Pickett. Jordan Wright ran through Jamie Pickett. Pickett shot a takedown, uh, and what, what I guess we're going to call uh, Travis Brown elbows. Elbows when someone's locked in on a, a single leg and with their head on the inside or outside. What, what, well, what, making their head available to land elbows too. And Jordan Wright did that. That set up a, a finish, and he looked very, very good. Um, he, all of his wins have been finishes. He has one loss, and that happened before this fight where he lost to Joaquin Buckley. Um, obviously, that loss, which was a knockout, I believe, did not affect him in a negative way. He, you know, He's still very aggressive, and he's the kind of fighter the UFC likes. He's the kind of fighter the fans like. He, you know, he's proved that it's finish or be finished, and if that's the kind of way he's going to pursue his career, he'll probably have... A fairly lengthy career if he can resist taking a huge amount of damage fighting in that style. It's a risky, risky way to fight a fight, but if you can get a bunch of wins in there and establish yourself, it's a way to make a, a very lengthy career in the UFC. It's uh, 
that's kind of the way Jim Miller's made his career in the UFC. Never really a you know top two or three fighter in in the lightweight division, but Jim Miller's always been there. Uh, gotten a lot of respect. Still fighting, has the most fights in UFC history, and he's one of those guys that is out there either finish or be finished is kind of his style. So if you're gonna emulate someone. Why not emulate someone who's had the longest career? Well, not the longest career, but the most fights in UFC history. So Jordan Wright looked excellent and, you know, a, a fighter to keep an eye on if you want to see exciting finish or be finished kind of style. Lando Venata and Mike Grundy. Venata dropped to featherweight for this, and if his performance was any indication, he has a, uh, a, good, a good run in, in his future at, at featherweight. Um, the weight cut didn't bother him too much. He looked excellent everywhere. Uh, he fought off all of almost all of Grundy's takedowns, and his movement, his his footwork, everything was on point. Um, so, Venata, who has has been a fun fighter, but hasn't really established himself as someone who can get consistent wins, might have a chance here at featherweight now that he's dropped the weight and looking pretty good overall. Uh, Grundy seemed focused on getting the takedowns, and once Venata established that he wasn't going to give those up and was going to have a pretty easy time fighting them off, he didn't really have a backup plan, um, and that enabled Venata to to walk away with this win. Uh, Andre Munez and Jacare Souza, um, the UFC commentary team seemed almost incredulous that Munez would say that he had better grappling than Souza in the lead up to this fight. Now, we have to take these things in you know a snapshot kind of way. Snapshot right now is Jacare's over forty. He's got a lot of miles on him. He was on a I think three fight losing streak entering this fight. Let me check here. Yeah, he had lost three before he faced Munez, and Munez had was on a seven-fight winning streak, three of those in the UFC with um, two, a submission with one submission win and and now with another on Souza. So time-wise and lifetime-wise, maybe Muniz has a, a right to make that claim in 2021. Big picture, he's got a long way to go before he equals anything that Souza has done in MMA, but... On Saturday night, he became the first fighter in MMA to submit Souza, and he snapped his arm in the process. So, was he the better grappler on Saturday night? Yeah. Was he the better grappler in his career? He got a, he's got a long, long way to go, but uh, when, you, when you put uh, Jacare Souza on your, on your list of submission wins, you can say whatever you want, that he's older that he's on the downward slide but no one else has submitted him before this in MMA uh, if this is the end of Jacare I think we we see him as a fighter who got close he always seemed to be one one fight away from a UFC title a title shot rather never seemed to get over that hump but let's not forget he was the strike force title is strike force champion and he was one of the best grapplers in MMA history and just because he didn't get a UFC title or a UFC title shot, you know, you can't erase what he has done overall in his career. So 
remember that and not how it ends. That's how you, you know, this, that's how this sport is uh, just because of how the pay is and how uh, the fighters are personality wise. It's rare to see someone go out on a, on a lengthy win streak. Uh, it's more normal to see them go out on a lengthy losing skid. And I think that's what we're going to see on Jacare Souza. But you know, try and forget about that part and try and remember what he did while he was, you know, knocking on the door of a UFC title fight for a long, long while. So if this is the end, a good career from Jacare Souza and nice start to a career for Andre Muniz. Edson Barboza, let's, I just want to read this here to get a little, I don't know if the UFC matchmakers hate Edson Barboza, but his name of fighters he has faced uh, from December 2013 up until last night is crazy. So here I'll just read them from the from 2013 up to 2021. Danny Castillo, Donald Cerrone, Evan Dunham, Bobby Green, Michael Johnson, Paul Felder, Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Benil Dariush, Habib Nurmagomedov, Kevin Lee, Dan Hooker, Justin Gaethje, Paul Felder again, Dan Ige, Makwan Americani, and last night, uh, Shane Burgos. That is a list of killers, and that was the, the last bunch of... That's eight years of fights for Edson Barboza, who at, I think, 35, still is one of the fastest uh, strikers in, in his weight division. So just crazy that he's had that kind of run. Now, he hasn't been all successful in all those fights but that is that's just insane and I, I don't think he gets enough credit for the run he you know the, the number of fighters he's gone through to get where he's at but he knocked Burgos out in the third round just very pinpoint striking very strong striking very good mix of techniques very good mix of um, where he's going to put his strikes and the weirdness of that um, knockout was crazy that uh, he he hurt Burgos with a punch and he kind of was in it for a, a lot longer than you would have expected and then his body just said nope and he collapsed. Um, very weird ending um, and but Souza got the win there, fight of the night, deservedly so. Um, Burgos is okay he said but he said he remembered everything that happened and didn't go out. But I want to point out the fact that just because a fighter doesn't go unconscious does not mean they were not concussed or did not, does not mean they have a brain injury. And I don't know if that was the case for Burgos. But just because someone says they feel okay and they didn't lose consciousness does not mean they weren't concussed. I think that needs to be understood. Again, I'm not saying that was Sean, Shane Burgos's the outcome of the fight for him, but I think a lot of people misunderstand brain injuries in that. And I looked this up today, and it said only ten percent of uh, people who can sustain a concussion go out. So let's try and keep that in mind. When someone gets TKO'd, KO'd, they need to get checked out. And checked out a little more than just backstage. So just something to keep in mind. But excellent performance from uh, Edson Barboza. Um, the next two fights 
were not really worth mentioning. Benel Dariush and Tony Ferguson, I think the big takeaway in this fight is, did Dariush look, make Ferguson look bad, or did Ferguson make Dariush look good? And I don't know the answer, really. No doubt that Dariush looked good and will earn a top five opponent, but I'm not still I'm still not convinced that Dariush is elite elite. He's definitely top ten, uh, but I think he needs to fight a top five opponent before we can really say, hey, here's where he stands. And I think I don't know what to think about Tony Ferguson. His last his loss to Gaethje was incredibly violent. His loss to uh, Oliveira and now his loss to Dariush was a matter of he could not get off the ground. Um, and I don't know if he's, now that he's fighting these, you know, if his age has caught up to him and his ground fighting or if something has happened there. But I, I'm not ready to say that Tony Ferguson is washed up or done. I will say that Tony Ferguson is if he faces a fighter who was going to give him pressure on the feet and not be afraid of his striking and have the ability to take him down and hold him down, he's in deep, deep, deep water from the get-go. I think that was the case in both Dariush and Oliveira. If he gets someone who's a little nervous about striking with him and a little less confidence about the, the ground game, I think Ferguson can still hang hang with that kind of group of fighters, but... Those fighters not might not be top 10. And Tony T Ferguson is at a point in his career where with his experience and the money he's making, he's going to have to face top 10 opponents. So I hesitate to say Ferguson's done, but he needs to, to really have a big comeback, I think, in his next fight, if he gets a next fight, um, before we can really decide where he is at his career. He's done a, he's absorbed an extreme amount of damage and he's handed out an extreme amount of damage. And do I think that the Gaethje fight was one of those life-changing fights? It's still hard to say. Jury's still out, I think, just because of the style that Oliveira and Dariush fought him in. But it could be. But for Dariush, big, big win. Um... Gives him a, a top five opponent, and I think from his next fight, we're going to see where Dariush really stands in the lightweight division. And Charles Oliveira had a rough, rough go of the first five minutes. Um, Chandler almost, I won't say almost submitted him, but he had a submission locked in. And the one, the key point, I think, of this this fight was in the first round when Chandler was teeing off with strikes and Oliveira was on the ground, on his knees, and reaching for Chandler's legs. He was taking a bunch of abuse during that. And then at some point, instead of reaching for a takedown, Oliveira decided to drop to his back. And I think that was the point that made the difference in the fight for Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. I think if Oliveira had stayed where he was at, reaching for the legs, he might have been finished. I think it was close. But the decision to drop back, whether out of, I, I don't know why he did it, but it seemed like it might have saved his his fight and earned him the title, or at least gave him the time to reset. Because he fell back, Chandler had to adjust his strikes, and then um, the round came to an end. And uh, Oliveira answered anyone who doubts him, which uh, those answers should have been, 
um, established during his eight-fight winning streak before he fought Chandler. Anyone said that he is the same person that he was when he quote-unquote folded to tough competition, he is not. He's 31 years old. He's a different fighter than he was when he was losing to these strikers. He's on a nine-fight winning streak now. There's no question anymore that he can overcome adversity. I think he's answered those questions. He's the UFC champion. He has the most stoppages in UFC history. He has the most submissions in UFC history. He's top 10 in wins, top 10 in fights. And he's really flown under the radar. And I think that adversity is not a problem for him. I just think it took him a lot longer maybe to come into his own develop a well, well-rounded game, become overall a threat everywhere. And at 31, he's done that. He's absolutely done that. He's now the champion, and there's no denying that, and there's no more doubting him. I don't. Th and I think if anyone doubts him at this point, it's more personal than it is anything because a nine-fight winning streak in what is is and has been considered the toughest, one of the toughest divisions in the UFC is impressive, impressive for any anyone, uh, especially impressive after um, he started out his career pretty rough. Michael Chandler still in the mix. I don't know how likely he is to uh, move on up to getting the belt in 12 months, like he said, but he's still definitely in there. But he's, he's not going to have an easy ride getting back to a title fight, that's for sure. But overall impressive impressive win from Charles Oliveira and we'll see where he goes but I don't doubt that he is at the uh, high point of his UFC career right now and I look forward to seeing more and more from Charles Oliveira it's going to be fun same for Chandler um, and same for the lightweight division overall I think we're in a, a, a crazy time now that Habib Nurmagomedov is out of it and the top of the division is stacked it's just stacked so should be fun should be fun for UFC lightweight from here on out. Two more things to speak about here. Uh, the first is the commentary team. I think they, I suggested this on Twitter, and, I, and by no means am I saying that I'm the first one to suggest this, but I just said that maybe the UFC should have two teams, one a prelim team and one a main card team, and uh, perhaps that would be a, uh, a plan. I think it would keep the announcers focused. It would give the UFC some chances to try out different mixes and get some different personalities involved and see if anyone had chemistry. And I think it would definitely keep the fight, the commentators more interested in the action. I think asking these guys to do what they do, uh, you know, six to eight hours on the mic for these fights. It, it can get old for, for someone over that amount of time. You know, a hockey game's three hours, and I don't really follow any other sports, but I know nothing goes into uh, the amount of time that a UFC card does in, in terms of, you know, a, commentary, a commentator calling a fight. So, fights, rather. So I think maybe you split that up. You give a prelim team, um, and then you give a main card team, and you... You have an opportunity, to, I think, to really improve the commentary if, if that's done. Yeah, there's different costs involved in that, but I think it also allows the commentary team to focus on a smaller group of fights, and that'll give them more time to dig into maybe the minutiae and keep them 
involved in calling the fights. I just think there's too much outside, especially in the pay-per-view cards when the team is has been Rogan and Cormier. I think there's a lot too much uh, goofing around, and I think that gets worse as the fights get longer and the card gets longer. And you know, you can't really blame someone for losing focus if that's the case, because the amount of time in between fights that can extend pretty long, and then you lose that momentum and now you lost the string. So I think a bigger pool to work from will help everyone. And I think it'll help the UFC get more people involved, which I think is something good. You know, get different faces in there, work on different chemistry, work on different teams, dynamics, and see what you get. But uh, I think just staying with what the UFC has while it's safe, it can get old, it can get stagnant, and it can turn the uh, the some of the fans against the commentators. And I think uh, some competition's good. I think a, a shorter you know workday is good. I think having more focus on the fights that you're covering is good. So I, I would I would love to see the them maybe even just try it. But the UFC is never someone that try something new once they feel comfortable with something. So I'm not going to count on it. Love to see it, but not going to count on it. Finally, we uh, revisited the old John Jones. If John Jones wants to fight, there's fights available for him. And if he doesn't fight for the rest of the year, it's no big deal. From a business standpoint, I think that's absolutely true. The UFC will go on without John Jones. The UFC will go on without Conor McGregor. The UFC will go on as long as the three letters are there for at least a while. Um, it's going to take a long time before those three letters are less popular than any of the fighters. It's just the way it is. Now, you put on a year of sub substandard fight cards, yeah, your product's going to suffer. But if, it's, if the loss is John Jones, the UFC has shown it can absorb that loss. If the loss is Conor McGregor, the UFC has shown it can absorb that loss. The UFC is the UFC, for better or worse. Their marketing campaign was Dana White, UFC, fighters. And the fighters are the least important part of that of that scheme. They are interchangeable to the UFC, and the fans have been conditioned to think that the UFC is bigger than the fighters and that Dana White's bigger than the fighters. And so whatever you're going you're gonna to get from the UFC is is the best there is. I will never say the UFC did not do a great job in convincing fans of that. I will say it's not true, but they convinced fans that it is. So that's why I think that John Jones is kind of screwed here. He asked for money he absolutely deserves. The UFC doesn't want to pay it because the UFC is now beholden to its stockholders and a little blip in the split in the revenues is not going to sit well with folks that have been sold on something that was 80-20 or better. And so if it even goes to, you know, 79-81, that is not acceptable to the stockholders. Dana White's going to try and keep that where it is designed to be. And if John Jones is the victim of that, so be it. If Conor McGregor is the victim of that, so be it. And... It's not fair. It's not fair to Jones because now he is locked in a contract that he can't get out of. And his options now are agree to take a fight that doesn't make sense to him financially, that doesn't make sense to him competitively, and then see what happens after that or sit out. 
So if he takes a fight that doesn't agree, uh, doesn't make sense financially or competitively, that fight will be the Stipe fight because while it might be competitive in the cage, a win does not put Jones in any better spot than he is at now. He'll get a paycheck, it'll be less than he wants, and then he'll be exactly where he is right now, wondering what he can get for a title fight, which UFC says we're not going to give him. So why should he take a Miocic fight knowing it doesn't move him anywhere and it'll end up you know, maybe giving him more um, abuse and damage that he doesn't want to take just to get to the exact same point where he is right now, wondering what he can get from the UFC for a title fight. Uh, so this is another example of how the UFC contracts are incredibly unfair and lock fighters in for a long time when they shouldn't. And the uh, fighters' options are now take a fight at what the UFC wants to pay you or sit out and wait until you need the money and take a fight at what the UFC wants to pay you. Maybe John Jones is the guy that's going to fight this in court. I doubt it, but maybe he is. If he's got the money to do so, maybe he does. I don't think he does. I don't think he wants that kind of fight. I think what we see here is either John Jones just kind of fading away or John Jones capitulating and taking the fight that the UFC wants to give him. But I don't think that fight at this point, it still might be the Ngannou fight because Dana White still is hedging that it's uh, Derek Lewis. And don't think that, that Dana White's above playing Derek Lewis to get John Jones a fight because he'll... He'll earn more money with Jones and versus Ngannou than Lewis and Ngannou, and don't think that John that Dana White won't won't kick Derek Lewis to the side. He one hundred percent will, but he'll only do so if John Jones agrees to fight for what the UFC wants to offer him, which still could happen. I hope it doesn't. I hope Jones stands on his belief that he deserves what he deserves, and while I think it might end his career. And I don't think it will help everyone. It's nice to see him, someone stand up to the UFC. Does it? But you know, does it? Does it make sense in the big picture for anyone? Probably not, because it's going to be the rare person who sticks by their guns and says, "You can't take advantage of me. I won't let you." When the only other option is not fighting. So. It's a weird, ugly spot for John Jones to be in, and I think it's going to get uglier. And if history says anything, it's that the UFC and Dana White will win. Just the way it is. Wish it wasn't, but it is. And on that note, this might be the longest uh, podcast I've ever done here. So hopefully this gives you a good wrap-up on UFC 262. And I don't know if I will be back tomorrow night. Um but maybe. If not, you know, there'll be a bunch this week for sure. So until next time, everyone stay safe.